If the Equality Act does not pass, many pastors and churches will call it a major victory for religious rights. But would Jesus call it a win? In today's Christian climate, um, there is a version of Christianity that is at war with culture. Richard Niebuhr, in his classic book, Christ and Culture, he calls it Christ against culture. And in this version of Christianity, pastors and churches feel under attack. They are on the defensive and they are fueled by their fear. And in this version of Christianity, a win is determined on whether or not they have their way. If we have a president we think is a Christian, or have our way in government, and have our way in in how marriage is defined, have our way on abortion, and have our way in who we can hire. For, For this version of Christianity, it's more about winning than loving. And, and that's why we call it a version of Christianity, because it doesn't really reflect um, who Jesus is, his nature and his character. So before you email Cots or me with your unhappy thoughts, I have to confess that I am the same way. I get caught up in that fear and, and I love to win. I asked Paul, when do I love to win? And he replied, when don't you love to win? I love having my way, especially when I'm fueled by fear. I made vows along the way to control before being controlled, to hurt before being hurt, to win at all costs because I was not going to be a loser. I was not going to look weak and I was going to be strong and I was not going to be vulnerable. And I'm going to go out on a limb, but I'm thinking maybe we all want to win. No one wants to be on the losing team. No one wants to experience the agony of defeat. We all want to win. But here's the problem. When we are on the defensive and we define ourselves by who we are not, we create an us versus them, a good versus bad, or a right versus wrong dynamic. And in this dynamic, there are only winners and losers. And in this dynamic, having our way or winning it becomes more important than loving. And this is the game that we know and we've experienced our whole lives. But in my creative imagination, I imagine Jesus quoting Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride saying, you know what, you keep saying that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. Because Jesus isn't playing our game. He's not on the court or on the field or even in the same arena that we are in. He has got his own way of doing things and he has his own definition of what a win is. He came to this earth so we could experience and know God's love because God is love. And he wanted us to experience God's love and his forgiveness and his grace so that we can share his his love and his grace and, and forgiveness with others. And I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus to be at this last dinner the night before he was, you know, to be uh, tried and crucified to, to prepare his disciples for what's going to happen in the next three days and, and to have them kind of break out in an argument, you know, fighting over who was the most faithful and who was the most important. In Luke 22, 25 through 27, Jesus says, The kings of the world rule over the people, and those who have authority over others want to be called the great providers for the people. 
but you must not be like that. The one with the most authority among you should act as if he is the least important. The one who leads should be like the one who serves. Who is more important, the one serving or the one sitting at the table being served? Everyone thinks it's the one being served, right? But I have been with you as the one who serves. What Jesus is saying is the leaders of this world, they leverage their power and their privilege for their own benefit. But that's not a win. Jesus doesn't play that game. And can I say, I love to win so much. And when he's talking about who's being the servant, like I don't even get what Jesus is saying, right? I'm thinking in my head, if there's a potluck, I'm going to be the one who serves and I'm going to be the last one to eat because I am going to win at being the greatest servant of all, which is not true. And I am playing the game of the world. I'm not understanding what Jesus is teaching. I am just like the disciples, right? Jesus is saying in his kingdom, there is no first and there is no last. And so the deep, you know, the disciples are like, okay, wait, how are you going to usher in this new kingdom if you're not going to use your power and privilege? to control or to win or to battle. And he's like, well, I'm going to do it through my crucifixion and my resurrection. That's how I'm going to do it. Which is so hard for us to understand because that looks like you're going to lose. But he's like, no, that is how I'm going to win. The Apostle Paul explains that in Philippians 2.6, that Jesus was like God in every way, but he did not think that his being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit. You see, Jesus didn't play to win the same way that we do. Paul goes on, instead he gave up everything, even his place with God, and he accepted the role of a servant, appearing in human form. You see, Jesus left heaven and his place with God, to live with us as fully human and fully divine. And he looked like a nobody. And he chose to use his power and privilege for our benefit, not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of all of humanity. He goes on in in verse eight, he humbled himself by being fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on the cross. You see, that's the ultimate example of love and what a win is in Jesus' kingdom. So God raised him up to the most important place and gave him the name that is greater than any other name. So by loving, Jesus becomes the MVP. Like, he still wins. God gave him the MVP award. And it's so opposite of what what we know and what we experience. It's so hard to wrap our head around this idea of what Paul is trying to say. So I have one more example for you. John writes this, his closest friend, he writes this in his letter, his first letter, 1 John 4.10. He says, true love is God's love for us, not our love for God. He sent his son, Jesus, as a way to take away our sins. That is how much God loved us, dear friends. So we must love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. If we love each other, God's love has reached its goal. It's made perfect. You see, when God's love is revealed in us and is experienced by others, then that is the win. 
The win in the kingdom of God is love. Love is the win. And I wish that we could make the switch and say, okay, we're going to stop this old way of love and this old way of winning, and we're going to adopt this new way of love. But it is not that easy. We can't just flip a switch. That transition, that change, that transformation is our lifelong work. That is what we need to do. That learning how to love and and then making love the most important thing more than having our way is our win, but it is our lifelong work. When we choose to um, use our power and privilege, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others, ah, that is the win. But it's so hard to do. And it, it can only be done. We can only let go of our fear and our, our pride and our stubbornness and our desire to control when we know that what we're moving to is safe and secure. And I love what Sky Jathani writes. Um, he says it best. Um, he's an author and a pastor. But surrender is only possible if we have total assurance that we are safe. That we must be convinced that if we let go, we will be caught. And this assurance only comes when we trust that our Heavenly Father desires to be with us and will not let us fall. It's so hard to do. But his, He is extravagant with His love. He is extravagant with his forgiveness and he is extravagant with his grace. And when we feel threatened and when we're afraid and when we need to control and when we need to win, Jesus tells us that he has gone before us and he will be with us, that he will never leave us or abandon us. That he is our comfort and our strength and our help in trouble. He is with us and he will always, always be with us. Even when our world is falling apart around us. And when we can't believe that for ourselves and we have to ask for help and ask our friends to help us to remember that he has got us. That he sees our fear of the unknown, our fear of failure, our fear of pain and hurt. And he's, he sees our fear of the worst possible outcome. And he says, that's okay. Come, come to me. He sees us hanging on to our desire to control because we don't want to be controlled. And he says, come. He sees our desire to not want to look weak, to not want to be needy, to not want to hurt, to not want to depend on others because we've learned along the way that depending on others does not work for us. But he says, come. He sees our stubbornness and our desire to go through life alone. And he says, come, I am for you. I know what's best for you. I want what's best for you. I'm not against you and I don't play that game. And when we feel safe and when we feel like we have the assurance that he has us, then we'll be able to let go. We'll be able to trust that he's got us. And so can you imagine, can you imagine what politics would look like if love is a win? 
Can you imagine what, a, what our community would look like if love is a win? What our workplace, what our school, what our homes, what our marriages would look like if love was a win. And so when we open up our hearts, oh, do that courageous thing to receive and experience God's love, his extravagant love for us, so that we can let go of our old way of winning, so that we can let go of, of using our power and our privilege to benefit us, and to choose love as he used his power and privilege for our benefit. Because that's what love looks like. That's what love is. And may we experience heaven and his love together. <laughs>